Matthew chapter 13, verse 36. The Word of God says this, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Now that's what we... Now, before I go any further, the disciples are asking him for an explanation. They have asked him in recent verses, Why are you telling us in parables? Why are you teaching to us in parables? And it's because only those who are born again, only those who are in the spiritual circle, if you will, and if you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're a part of that circle. But what he's telling his disciples is their eyes have already been opened. They know these spiritual things are coming to pass. They know what he's talking about. But because he speaks in parables, it's for those who are without the circle because their eyes have been darkened and their eyes have been blinded and their hearts have been hardened to the word. And so that is why they are teaching, or that's why Jesus is teaching in parables because it's only for those inside the circle of the Spirit of God uh, to understand. Now, once those, those unbelievers believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are welcomed into the circle, and Jesus gives them spiritual insight into these verses. And so that is why Jesus is teaching them in parables. Uh, and all of these parables in uh, chapter 13, they all coincide with one another. They all go hand in hand with one another. Um, but Jesus here in verses 36 through 43, he gives them an explanation to the parable of the sower. In verse 37, he said, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The field is the, uh, uh, excuse me, the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening as humble as we know how. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be behind your pulpit again. Father, I ask you tonight to fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I know I cannot preach this uh, remaining uh, message, God, without your help, and I'm asking for a touch. I ask, God, that you would get behind me. God, I pray that you'd get in me. And, God, I pray that you'd preach through me tonight, Lord. And, Father, I, I submit myself under your will. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. If you, uh, Brother Joe, if you don't mind, can you turn me down just a, a notch? I have a pretty loud voice anyway, don't I? Before I get into the sermon, go Vols. I just lost every one of you, didn't I? So this morning, I just want to kind of recover where I was this morning. This morning, we talked about how there is four responses to the Word of God. Uh, in verses uh, 3 through 9, we see that Jesus has given them a parable of the sower who went out to sow seed. Some fell by the wayside, some fell on stony ground, some fell on good ground, uh, some fell among thorns, and we all, uh, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, we all have a thorn in our life, amen? We all... We're, uh, maybe you're the rose amongst thorns. I don't know. I know I, I, 
I can't say that I am. I might be a thorn to somebody. I don't know. But uh, I hope not. But we know that the parable uh, in, in the first part of this chapter, Jesus is, he gives the parable. In verses 18 through 23 that I preached this morning, he gives the instructions of the sower and how that the receivers responded. So he talked about the sower in verses 3 through 9. In verses 18 through 23, he gives the instructions of the sower and how, or I'm sorry, sower in 3 through 9, the receivers in 18 through 23, the, the, the ground. He's talking about the types of ground in verses 18 through 23. And I told you that there was four responses to the Word of God. We all agree that the Word of God is the seed of life. It is what is planted into men and women's hearts uh, all throughout history. And so in saying that, uh, I want us to understand that there are four responses as a receiver of the Word of God. There's four responses uh, that I'm preaching to you on tonight. Uh, this morning I talked to you about uh, the no response attitude. And the no response is simply a choice in and of itself because when you say no, you're making a conscious decision to make that choice. As an emotional response, we understand that they have the feel good. Uh, the word of God touches them or, or the word uh, emotionally charges them or, or it, it maybe uh, uh, enlightens them to be a better person. But when persecution or hardships come, then they don't want to go to the Lord as their resource uh, and they let the fowls of the air or the devil uh, steal what has been sown in their life and be plucked out. Uh, so tonight, I hope to finish the four uh, uh, responses. And first off, uh, this evening, I want to talk to you about the worldly response as our number three uh, response here to the receiving of the Word of God. And it's found in first, uh, Matthew 13, verse 22, and it says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. What we're seeing here is, uh, and, and I will uh, explain it to you tonight, uh, based off of the rich young ruler. Because that's the best way that I can tell you how a worldly person will respond to the word of God. Uh, and honestly, the rich young ruler, he went away grievous, didn't he? Because he didn't receive the word of God. He, he, he received it, but it fell among the thorns and it choked uh, because of the cares of, his, uh, of the world and his riches it choked the word, and therefore it became unfruitful. Um, and so many tonight are falling under that category. I mean, listen, I, I've just got done preaching on the series of F the book of Philippians and how uh, circumstances and worry and, and all these things can steal our joy. And you know what that does? All those things are the thorns in our life that chokes the word of God. We know the word. We know uh, Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. But when these cares of life come, we let the cares of life choke that and it becomes unfruitful in our life because we don't understand how to trust the Word of God. And that's what God is teaching me through this parable is that we need to just trust what the Word of God says because if we will trust the Word of God, it will become fruitful in our life. If we just understand that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, if we trust that verse, when we get in hardships and we get in tribulation and we, when we face these, these down times or these low-income times or, or if we're worried about where our food's coming from, listen, 
like I preached last Sunday morning, my help comes from the Lord, amen, and I can trust the Lord. And that's when the Word of God becomes fruitful in our life. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's a fruitful response to the Word is when you just trust God for what He says. Amen. You ain't trying to uh, listen. How many believes that it's Jesus plus and minus nothing? You don't need to add to Jesus and you don't need to take away to Jesus because He is enough. Amen. He has everything that you need. There's no sense in adding to it. There's no sense in taking away from it. He is what He is. He is who He is. And His Word says what it says. And we can trust that and we can believe that. The rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. For the sake of time, I'm going to try and preach very quickly. Uh, I've got several verses. And when he, verse 17 says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. I dare say that when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, that's when he left him. That's when, that's when the rich young ruler lost everything that he just told him. Uh, he, he just waved off everything. Listen, you ever been that way? A preacher would say something, and you just wave it off. You just let it go. Because you don't, and listen, I've been there. When I was under conviction, listen, I'd sit in service, and the, the Holy Spirit of God would be down my heart, and the preacher would say something, and I'd just let it roll off my back because I didn't want it. And that's what a lot of Christians are doing today. They're taking a shovel, and when, when the sower, when the preacher is sowing the seed, they're tossing the seed back because they don't want it. And that's a worldly response. That's, that's what the rich young ruler was doing. He said, listen, I know what you're saying is true. But he wasn't willing to give up what he had. He wasn't willing to lose the pleasures of this life to gain the rewards of heaven, to gain the treasures of heaven. And therefore, and listen, he was so, so good, if you will, if I can use the word. The word of God says there is none good, no, not one. We understand that. But if we can say that this man was good, he was a good man. He didn't kill. He didn't steal. He didn't bear false witness. He defrauded not. He honored his father and his mother. He told Jesus that he kept the commandments. That's a pretty noble man, ain't it? That's a pretty morally good, if, you, if we look at moral standards. He was a fairly good guy. But Jesus looked at him in his eyes and he said, One thing thou lackest. He lacked true salvation. You can be as good of a guy and as good of a person as you want to be. You can, you can give to charities. You can give to churches. You can have the nicest house, nicest vehicles, nicest everything. But if you lack the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you will be unfruitful in your work and in your labor. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying here that uh, he also in verse um, uh, Matthew 13, 22, 
He also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the seedness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. In verse 23, it says, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. I'm going to read to you verses 24 through 30 now. It says this, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let me ask you something tonight. Are you a wheat or are you a tare? Because listen, I promise you, if you go and visit churches today, you won't be able to tell the difference. You talk to somebody and you won't hardly be able to tell the difference. You know how I tell the difference? I hate to admit this. Sometimes it's through my wife. Because my wife has really good discernment. You know what the church is lacking? You know what Christians are lacking? Discernment. We're lacking love too, brother. But we got to have discernment in order to show love. Or rather, we, we need to have love in order to show discernment. We need discernment. But we also need to know how to take care of the tares, don't we? What's our natural response to a tare? When we see, when, when we see the word is, it has, has been received, but it comes up and, and it's, let me say this, it's the thorn on the rose bush. First thing we want to do is try to pluck it out, don't we? If we see weeds grow up in the garden... First thing we want to do is plug it up, but what we don't know is that we might be pulling up good roots. We might be, pull, we might be harming the good vegetation, or we might be harming uh, that beautiful flower, that beautiful rose bush, or whatever it might be. We might be, in, in all seriousness, we might be hurting somebody. So when you try and fix something in the church that don't need to be fixed, listen, just leave it alone let God take care of it. Because that's the problem with a lot of churches. They want to try and fix it themselves, but God said, let them alone. And I, I, I believe this way. If a person continues to come to church without knowing the Word of God, without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the longer they come, the softer that heart's going to get. And pretty soon, there's going to be some good seed sown in some good ground. And you're going to see some vegetation. Amen. You're going to see some fruit come to life. And you're going to see salvation come forth. That's the way I believe. You just let it alone. Because if you try and root them out, you might hurt a church member in the process. You might hurt a good faithful member in the process of doing that. And that's where the love comes in, brother, is when, when we try to start uh, uh, plucking the weeds and the tares out uh, of our church, that ain't our place. And that's what God is teaching us. Uh, listen, he said, just let it alone. Because everybody, I can't make the response for you. I cannot choose for you. How you handle the Word of God is your choice. Cannot say that enough. The how, how you receive Jesus Christ is your choice. 
I cannot make that decision for you. I cannot make you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot make you believe the Word of God. I cannot make you desire the Word of God. I cannot make you pray. I cannot make you uh, uh, worship and praise. I cannot make you do any of these things. But I promise you, if you let the seed get in good ground, all these things you'll want to do. Amen. Amen. Because that's a fruitful response. That's my last thing tonight. It's a fruitful response. And you'll want to have a fruitful response. You'll want to have something to show forth that you are blood-bought and that you are Jesus Christ. That you are the wheat. I preached uh, this parable on the wheat and the tares uh, several years ago. And, and uh, I don't believe I titled it, uh, uh, I'm not going to hell, but it, it's very fitting. Uh, because if you're wheat... You ain't going to hell, amen. I'm not going to hell. I made a choice 10 years ago that I'm not going to hell. And there ain't a devil in hell that can take it from me. Because I made up my mind. My foot's on the rock, amen. And I ain't going back. Now, there's times that I get out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. You know what I have to do? I got to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. God forgive me, I've sinned and I've separated the fellowship between you and I. Will you let me come back? And he welcomes with open arms, amen. Thank God he welcomes with open arms and he welcomes us back. But I made a decision a long time ago, Brother Bob, I ain't going to hell. And as long as I'm here, I don't want to let anybody on my account go to hell either. It's my duty to share the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my duty to preach the whole word of God. I got several verses for you on, the, uh, on a fruitful response. Romans 3 and verse 23, it says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We've got to understand that. That's how we have a soft heart. We have a soft heart when we humble ourselves and we see ourselves for what we really are. See, we, like I said this morning, we want to paint a pretty picture. We want to make it a fantasy. We want to make it a fairy tale. We want to make it a beautiful painting for all the world to see. And that painting is perfection. Because an artist, now some people's perfection is, not, is somebody else's trash, if you will. Because everybody has a different art style. But these artists, they have what is perfect in their eyes. And that is how we see ourselves, right? We see a perfection and ourselves, and that's what we want to portray to everybody around us. But that is what hardens our heart because we're not being real with ourselves. We're not being truthful with ourselves. And we're not understanding that we are all sinners. That we all deserve to die and be in hell tonight. But by the grace of God, where we, and for the mercy of God, Ephesians says, says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy... Wherewith he loved us, amen, he bought us, he saved us because he loved us, though while we were yet sinners. I'm just going to tell you the Romans road to salvation because, listen, if you ain't got salvation, you can't have a fruitful response. That's why I felt the need to share the Romans road to salvation. Romans 3.23, Romans 5, verses 5 through 9. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That ought to make you feel good. That ought to be shouting ground tonight because that ought to make you want to bear fruit. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I didn't know I was getting in Ephesians 2 tonight, but bless God it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Amen. Listen, if you have received the grace of God by faith and you have been born again and saved eternally through the blood of Jesus Christ, Yes, I believe that I got everlasting life the moment I repented of my sin. Amen? Amen. I don't have to wait to die to get everlasting life. Amen? The moment I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God came into my life and He gave me everlasting life and the inner man will not die. Bless God. He said, uh, much more than verse uh, Romans 5, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through who? Through ourselves? No. Through our riches? No. Through, through the world? No. Through the tares? No. Through Him, bless God. It's through Him. Everything is through Him. This morning I preached that in Him we live and move and have our being. It's all because of Jesus. It, the moment you take your eyes off Jesus Christ, you're in a dangerous place. I see not too long ago, uh, anybody heard of the band Hawk Nelson? It's a contemporary Christian band. You know, their lead singer just denounced his faith, turned his back on God, said he had no part of it. That's a scary place to be in. My Bible teaches me that that man becomes reprobate. He goes against the whole word of God. And my Bible teaches me that once you become reprobate, there's no coming back. You cannot come back from that. That's the word of God. That is sad. And it's, uh, he's not the only one. There's been several Christian artists to denounce their faith in the recent years. And my Bible teaches me that they cannot come back to repentance. Once you are reprobate, God will not allow you to come back in, in repentance. Ain't that awful? What a sad, sad state. And you know what the cause of that is? And I believe it's because they're not seeing authentic Christians living for the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. Someone said this week, and I, I shared it on Facebook, people don't need to see Jesus in church. They need to see him in the streets. How true is that? Because if the only time that you show somebody Jesus is inside of these four walls, friend, you're missing the whole point of salvation. You're missing the whole goal of, of making heaven your home. Jesus saved us so that we could see somebody else saved. He gave us the eternal life so that we could share it with somebody else. Romans 5, verses 18 through 21 says, Therefore, as by, one, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Everybody understand that verse? Let me just uh, uh, give you some information. For as by Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, many were made sinners. From that day forward, he cursed every mankind that was born from that day forward. He cursed us all. We understand that. We're all made sinners because of Adam's disobedience. But, 
Ain't you glad for the word but? For the word so? So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. He didn't say that, uh, listen, there's a difference in, in that first part and the second part. Many were made sinners. We had no choice. We had no opportunity. We had no free will. We all were guilty. We all became sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. He's given us the opportunity. He, that word shall. He's given us a choice to be made righteous in the likeness of his son Jesus Christ. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 says this. Hey, I like good Bible preaching. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of you might get tired of me quoting certain theologians and things like that, but you can't get tired of the Word of God. Amen. You, you can't argue with me with the Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Don't have it? Sorry about that. I must have added it last night. I do that sometimes. Still part of the Romans road salvation. Romans 8 verses 1 through 4 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, thank God, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 verse, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession made unto salvation. And verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Thank God for that. That's the word of God. Amen. That, that's a fruitful response. 1 Peter. Did I give you 1 Peter? Verse 18 says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit and the unfading love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. There it is again, the seed. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass, Grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. 
But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Ain't that good? I don't know about y'all, but I love the word of God. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Galatians 6 and 8, I, I don't know if I told you this this morning or not, but it says, For he that sold to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sold to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we see here, we see a worldly response in the first part of that verse. A worldly response is he that sold to his flesh, and he shall of the flesh reap corruption. But a fruitful response is he that sold to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I've got a quote for you by Dr. Wearsby. Uh, Dr. Wearsby said this is the fruit, and I think I quoted this to you last Sunday. But he said that the fruit of a Christian is holiness, Christian character, good works, winning others to Christ, sharing what we have, and praising God. If a plant is to bear fruit, it must be rooted in soil and exposed to the sunshine. May I remind you that the, in order for you to bear fruit, that seed's got to be uh, uh, planted in some good soil and exposed to the sun. S-O-N, the sun, because it's only him that is able to bring forth fruit in your life. You cannot do it on your own. It is, and I told my father today, he was, uh, uh, he was listening to my sermon, and I told him, I said, listen, I, every one of us, when, and maybe y'all wasn't as sinful as I was when I was younger, and I was 14 years old when I got right with the Lord, and you're thinking, how can a kid be so sinful? You have no idea what I went through from fifth grade to freshman year of high school. You have no idea some of the things I've seen. You have no idea some of the things I've done as a kid. And I promise you, it's going on in the schools around us. That's why you need to be praying for young children. Children. The devil's after them. You know why? Because we ain't took a stronger stance for our children. If they are to be the future church, we which are the church need to go out and reach them. Amen. That's why Vacation Bible School is so important to me. Because you'll never know the impact that you make on a young man's life or a young lady's life. That's why we need to pray very hard for Vacation Bible School and ask God to save these kids' hearts. But in, And that's how that I, I went to an Easter play. And that's how the Word of God, and listen, I was brought up in church. I heard the Word of God, but it took no effect. But I went to an Easter play. They had a hell scene and a heaven scene, and it scared me to death. 14-year-old boy, scared to die, lost, and go to hell. God got this old boy's attention. Thank God he did. Because I was so into the flesh. But he sowed that seed. <laughs> he watered it. I know my mom and daddy, they watered it. Had to have. A lot of people say I'm a lot like my great-grandmother. I never got to meet her. But perhaps she prayed over every grandchild, every great-grandchild she had. Maybe she prayed over me before she even knew about me. I believe the prayers of the saints, they go beyond years to be answered. 
I think I'm an answered prayer, amen? And if you're right with God, you're an answered prayer. That's how the seed must be sown. A few more verses for you and I'll be done. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 says, For when the, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want to flip back over to where I read to you tonight from Jesus' explanation. He answered and said unto them, verse 37, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Matthew, I want us to understand something. The type of Christ pictured in the book of Matthew, he is a kingly priest. And that's why he has given so many prophecies and he's given so many parables in the book of Matthew is because he is their king. He is, and they don't know it. They don't see it. But he's their king. He is their king dwelling among them. And he is writing this. I told you the three applications, the primary, the prophetic, and the practical. The primary application is that he is their king. And he is explaining to them how they are uh, of the kingdom of heaven or of the kingdom of God. Those that are the Jews. They are God's people. He that sold the good seed is the son of man. In the book of Mark, we see that he is a servant leader. And we see a lot, uh, many more of his miracles performed in the book of Matthew. In the book of uh, Luke's gospel, he is the son of man. That's what Luke describes him as. So I, I find it very interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ calls himself the son of man as the sower. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sold them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. And the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So what we see here is there's a harvest day coming. Brother Don, you harvesting any vegetation yet? You reaping any vegetables yet? It's getting close though, ain't it? Maybe a couple more weeks, a couple months, maybe another month, you'll be reaping some tomatoes or uh, squash or okra. Or uh, I'm sure okra grows quick out here. It loves hot weather. It didn't do too good on top of the mountain. <laughs> I love okra. Anyway. It's getting close. See, I get, I get distracted sometimes. But there's coming a reaping day. It's not mine and your job to reap the harvest. It's God's job. It's mine and your job to sow the seed. We understand that. Now listen, there's things in our life that we sow to that we will reap the benefits of. But I'm talking spiritually here because this is pertaining to the judgment of God. It's not our job to reap this harvest that he's talking about. It's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And so we see how that those who haven't received the word, who 
who were among the stony ground or who were among the thorns that choked the word out of them or who uh, got sown on the wayside and the fowls of the air came and ate the seed. Um, or they were the tares who literally sat under solid preaching, sat in the church, but never made a move. I, and I believe there'll be many lift up their eyes in hell who were 30 plus year church members because they never knew the Lord Jesus Christ. I told you this morning that Brother Derek said that he believes, and now listen, that's just his opinion. I dare say it's a lot less. 30% of church members truly right with the Lord. Listen, that's a low number when you start thinking about it. But God knows. It ain't our job to know. That's why I try my very hardest to get up here and preach hard, preach the Word of God, preach to you what God has laid on my heart because I don't know any of your hearts. As far as I'm concerned, I'm preaching to a bunch of sinners that need to get right with the Lord. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian and God blesses you, listen, I can get blessed through hard preaching because it makes me want to do better. It makes me want to get closer. And that's all I'm trying to do is I want to help you have a desire to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and be a better Christian. I believe that's our responsibility is to help others be better Christians. But God, he's going to reap the harvest and he's going to take all those who didn't receive the word of God and bundle them up and cast them into the lake of fire. What a sad thing. Matthew chapter 7 also teaches us that many, many will go in there at in the wide gate that leads to destruction. Verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The righteous shall shine forth. That'll be a pretty good harvest day, won't it? That'll be a good reaping day, praise God. I can't wait. I'm looking for him every day. Are you? I'm looking. Listen, I see the signs. You can't tell me this coronavirus ain't leading to the end of time. I don't, I don't necessarily believe we're living in the last days, but I believe everything that we're facing is leading us to that way. And if you're going to get in, you better get in now. Because when the Holy Spirit of God is out of here, you know who's going with him? The church. And if you ain't a part of the church, the true church. I ain't talking about Bluebell Free Baptist Church. This whole building, it'll be here long after we're gone. And it'll melt with fervent heat. And if you're a part of Bluebell Free Old Baptist Church, you're going to melt with it. You're going to burn forever with it. But if you're part of the true church, the bride of Christ, when the Holy Spirit of God is taken out of here, you're going with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Ain't that what First Thessalonians chapter 5 says? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for that day. I hope you are too. Let's witness to somebody this week. Let's pray for a lost person this week. You got lost family members? I've got a bunch of them. God bless their heart. If there's ever a time we need to witness to our lost people, it's the day we're living in because I don't know how long we have. I wish I did.
seen on Facebook where somebody said, in two months, the Lord's coming back. It's foolish. It's foolish. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say you know when the Lord's coming back because no man knows the day or the hour. But it's in your best interest to always live every day as if that's your last. Amen.